0: Mac Power Users, episode 659, Workflows with Alex Cox. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks. I am joined by your pal and mine, Mr. Stephen Hackett. How are you, Stephen?
1: David, I'm great. How are you?
0: I have been thinking about you, my friend, because I know you've been working so hard on the St. Jude um, thing and just getting the little peeks behind the scenes that I'm doing I'm sending you all of my love. I hope I hope you're doing good and and uh, going to get some rest here pretty soon because you've been really working hard.
1: Yeah, the fundraiser has gone super well. Uh, as we record, this is the last episode of MPU that comes out in September. So if you haven't given yet, you want to go to stjude.org slash relay and you can donate. If you work for a company, they probably match funds and there's a form on that page you can fill out. So the match gets applied to the campaign as well. But it's been absolutely amazing. I mean, the relay fm audience and and even the broader Apple community, uh, and we're talking about this some today, it's such a great group of people who really care about things that matter. And so every year it's it's so humbling to see people give. And this year we did this thing where people could fundraise on their own, and there were some different uh, incentives and stuff to do that. You could get like a desk mat and a challenge coin and stuff. And people just really took to it. it was it was really amazing to see and i mean look we're doing it for the best reason i can think of so while the hours are long and the work is hard it is a joy to do it each year
0: no i totally agree And it i even though i just have a very small role to play in it i i am very proud of it and i love it and it makes me happy and giving money every year makes me happy and if you're listening uh you know we'd ask you to consider making a contribution we are almost to our goal gang we would love to hit it and when this show airs we're going to be even closer. You could be the one that puts us over the top. Could you imagine that if, rather than getting a Starbucks coffee, you put Relay over the top today? Wouldn't that make you feel good? be awesome. Yeah, so we've got links. We're going to put them in the show notes, but it's, uh, what is the um, the main link?
1: It's uh, stjude.org slash Relay.
0: Yeah, and, and we hit one of the milestones, which involves Stephen and I um, sharing our bags. And uh, I'm going to be doing that from Indoor Studios, which right now has a guy in it with a nail gun. So hopefully it's done by the time I'm there.
1: (laughs) Or we just see what's in his backpack too. I mean, it's probably interesting.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I can tell he's a Milwaukee man. I can tell you that because he's got all the Milwaukee gear. But the... uh, yeah, so it, it, that'd be kind of fun if I was opening them back and there's a guy behind me with a nail gun just like hammering stuff into the wall.
1: Hey, it's, we got to do know? what we got to do, you know?
0: What, I'm going to say it right now, whether or not that room is done, because it should be, but it might not be. I am recording that in that room. So. Well, we're gonna do that. when is that? That's next Thursday, right?
1: Yeah, it's next Thursday. So I'll put a. Actually
0: put, it's this Thursday as this thing releases. I'm sorry. I'm, yes, it's very ahead
1: confusing. Of, I'll put a link, uh we'll link to it on the Mac Power User's Twitter and I'll put it in the show notes and stuff. So that'll be that'll be fun.
0: Yeah. Well, either way, gang, head over and to relay.fm, uh donate to Saint Jude. Uh boy, it is it's such a an honor to be a part of this every year. And we all do goofy stuff every day, but you can really make a difference today with a contribution. All right, and today on More Power Users, uh, we got new phones. It's time to talk phone cases, and uh, uh, we are going to be getting to that. But we haven't introduced our guest yet today. Welcome to the show, Alex Cox.
2: Hello. Hello, boys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: And we're so ha- happy to have you back, Alex. It's It's been a while. I was looking. We have a thread between the three of us from 2018 uh, the last time you were on the show and that's embarrassing you're such a great guest how did we do that i think it's steven's fault i'm pretty sure mm -hmm. yeah
2: oh absolutely absolutely of course it is of course it is
0: alex does a lot they started over um well actually you're independent now right alex
2: i am indeed lots has changed
0: yeah so tell us what's going on in your life
2: right now i am. I was about to say technically, but no, officially, I am a completely independent podcaster, and I do some freelance consulting for creating podcasts, and... uh, believe it or not, some uh, sort of Mac productivity organization stuff, even though, compared to this show, like, I'm nothing. I'm teaching people, like, how to use uh, Siri. But I came from, if folks have heard the first episode that that I've done, um, I don't encourage you to listen to, to it. It's very awkward. Much more awkward, hopefully, than I will be on this episode. But for years I worked at, oh gosh, seven years, I worked as an an events manager, studio manager. And what else did I do? So many things for a company in Chicago called Cards Against Humanity. Um, and then here in Chicago, there was this thing that happened in 2020 where pretty much all events shut down and like running an in-person podcast studio wasn't really a great thing to do. <laughs> so yeah. uh, now I am totally independent and recording from the corner of my apartment. And I'm sure we'll sort of get into that when we talk about gear, but I wish that I had more interesting things to say about my indie life, but I'm kind of doing the same things I was doing when I had a full time job I have a show called Do by Friday and a show um on here on relay called Roboism about uh robots, tech isms, and and but mostly robots. Um, show called Two at a Girl with my spouse about queerness and another show project type thing that if you want to, you can find it at patreon.com/slash Alex Cox. That that keeps me in my apartment. So thank you for everybody who has gone to see that project.
0: Well, one of the things I love about Alex is that they not only have the ability to make a good podcast, to get on microphone and talk, but the production knowledge. I mean, when we did the show, the live show in Chicago, you were right there in the booth, and you were the one that made that show, you know, happen. And I feel like you've got a lot of good knowledge. And so today we're going to talk to you about the stuff you're making, but I also want to talk to you today about how to make stuff, because I know that we have a lot of listeners that are interested um maybe they want to toy around with podcasting but even maybe they just want to make a really good recording of an elder relative and um but you know it's been a long time since we kind of went down that rabbit hole the technology's changed um and i'd love to kind of get your feedback on that today
2: absolutely this is my favorite thing to talk about and producing events is still one of my favorite things to do whether it is in person which is slowly happening again or if it is a virtual event
0: yeah it is it is nice as the world starts to open up a bit i uh i think we have to talk about that Stephen. at some point we have to start thinking about a live show i don't know when but we're gonna get there i I feel like it's coming for us yeah i really miss them but we're not going to do it in Chicago this time, because I think we've done, like, four of them in Chicago. <laughs>
2: we got <laughs> to go to another place this time. And, uh, um, know, yeah, where. unfortunately, there's not many free theaters left in Chicago. Well, there's not many yeah. uh, small theaters in Chicago left in general. But um, yeah. one, eventually, one one day. So it's yeah it's been a really interesting transition between l- live tech and uh, tech that is... <laughs> you know um, still technically live but everyone has has become their own producer for a lot of things and that's kind of uh, been um, a huge part of my life the past two years it's been really interesting
0: yeah I- I'm sure you've helped a lot of people though
2: that that's what kept me, kept me employed really for, for yeah. two years teaching people how to do their own productions at home
0: I believe it. I mean, it, from as simple as like teaching a Zoom class to, you know, something much fancier. Um, I was just, I have a friend who's a cabinet maker and I was asking him how's business. And he said he is so busy because everybody wants fancy bookcases on one wall in their house now so they can do
2: <laughs> Zoom meetings, you know? Oh, that's fantastic.
0: And that's what he's doing. He's just building built-ins that people can have as a background for their Zoom. I mean, <laughs> hey, you know. The world changes, Uh, but you you know what else has changed is Apple. They have stopped putting Intel chips in their computers. Did you know that?
2: I've heard, I've heard some rumors (laughs) about it. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so how has that impacted your life? Have you, have you upgraded to an Apple Silicon Mac yet?
2: Oh, my gosh, it's made my life so much better. (laughs) Like, as I mentioned, doing a lot of uh, remote work. But even when I wasn't doing remote work, trying to use an Intel Mac and especially an Intel Mac with a a laptop that that has one of uh, those keyboards that we all loved the bun, uh, the butterfly. I don't know if you've heard about this, but there was this butterfly keyboard that existed, I believe since 2015, that was like the bane of my existence.
0: Butterfly. That sounds like a fun thing. It's yeah, a butterfly. It's, it's,
2: <laughs> it's, it, it's not a word that now just puts terror down my spine. It's just, woof. um but uh I believe it was, was it March 2020 actually? Like when things were shutting down, when Apple announced that there were, Silicon Max coming, Apple Silicon Max. I was excited, but honestly, more exciting to me was the fact that um, the butterfly keyboards were being retired. Yeah, and and also that suddenly I could get Apple Silicon Max for my entire team, and it just being able to explain things and explain things in a way that it's like, oh, it's not. This isn't some weird uh, Windows thing. This isn't, um, you know, like I your thing will the software that I have chosen to put on your Mac for work. I know will run and we won't have to deal with any weird stuff, weird or rather all of the bugs I knew very well because suddenly everybody was talking about Apple Silicon and that was the focus of everything. So uh, for a while, I still was on a uh, iMac, or I, I had an iMac Pro, until the 14-inch MacBook Pro came out, and that has changed my life so much for the better. It's it was the first thing I bought when I went indie, um, having the uh, well. <laughs> the, Forget forget about the the keyboard for a second. Having the HDMI port, having the SD cards, uh, SD card slot, having the uh, headphone headphone port on the right side because most headphones, you know, uh, the wire comes out the left side. Yeah. There are just so many little things that have made my life so much better that I kind of forget just how powerful this macbook pro is so my 14 inch macbook pro is the only mac i have right now and the only thing i use and i'm extremely extremely happy with it
0: yeah so the the right side for a headphone jack is the left side
2: wait what yes oh my god the
1: the correct
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah. oh god that was that was really embarrassing i mean not that embarrassing i've done much more embarrassing things but uh <laughs> the, yes I that left we can side. just kind of
0: hear that working through you know on the other side
2: <laughs> it's, i'm still just scarred from years and years of going on the right i'm like mm, mm, yeah. just oh
0: it's like Hey Apple! Every headphone manufacturer in the world puts the cord on the left side. Why don't you just go ahead and put the jack there too? But the uh, but no, I was thinking for someone who does as much production as you, the the MacBook Pro must have really kind of solved a lot of problems. Um, the um, uh, how much do you use HDMI in your work at this point?
2: You know, I thought that haha. Oh my gosh! Now I'm never doing live events. We'll never use this HDMI port. But it. Surprisingly, um, I did. I have used it a couple times for in-person events when someone needs to do a uh, keynote or PowerPoint presentation, or there just needs to be projections or something. But just those three times, I've used it. So much of the stress and anxiety for for myself goes away because I don't have to use those dongles. But also, normal people who just want to bring in their own lap or have their own laptop or just they they don't need to think about dongles they usually bring their dongles and they're the wrong kinds which is why i still i mean i still have a giant bag filled with them but just for traveling like going to a hotel room as i do more of that just plugging it into my macbook pro and not having to you know just be like okay is the hdmi cable dead or is it my dongle just one less point of failure I have to check is great. And that adds up really quickly.
0: Yeah, I just had, uh, we had a family member visiting recently and I was in one room of the house and I heard the, um, cause we have these air purifiers, you know, which is, I guess, another thing that people do these days. And I'm like, ah, the thing, you know, cause it has like an automatic sensor in it. And I thought, oh man, that thing just, you know, sometimes it goes too fast and I'm like, well, it's too loud. And I went in there, and it was my mother-in-law on her MacBook Air. And I totally forgot that they make noise. Oh, you know? no. It was like an old one, you know? Yeah. Yes. And, the, and she my, can I just go down a rabbit hole here for a minute. My, everybody has one member of their family like this. I love my mother-in-law dearly. She, anytime something pops up on her screen that says, hey, why don't you click OK and give me your social security number? She does it, you know? Oof. So I, every time she comes to my house, I have to detox her computer. <laughs> but the, you know, but I hadn't done it yet that time, so I don't know what you know bots were running in the background. Maybe she was, um, you know, looking for bitcoin or something without knowing it. And uh, <laughs> but I could hear the thing blow across the house. I'm like, oh yeah, that Intel computers made that noise. I forgot about that. I'm no. so spoiled at this
1: point. Well, it's right there in the name, it's the Map of gear, you know, you gotta, yeah, get yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, Alex, uh, Alex, before you were on an iMac Pro, if I remember correctly, uh, so are you just full-time notebook person now?
2: I am a full-time notebook person, and I totally forgot to mention my studio display because it's I, I am a notebook person, but it is in clamshell mode probably 75% of the time. Did, did I get the name right? Have I... I do not have the XDR. I don't have the... It's a studio display, studio right? Display. Yes. We're, we yep. call things... We call pr- prosumer stuff studio now, according to Apple, I think. But that has become another part of life that's just so much easier. I did not expect to have an Apple monitor ever again, to be honest. Yeah. And when the MacBook Pro was announced, I was like, oh... Oh, cool! I'm just gonna be able to k- k- plug in my monitor, my uh, HDMI monitor directly into it. But no, now I have my entire system is just over one Thunderbolt plug, except for my um, USB C, my uh, you know XLR box because I've i've been yelled at too many times to just put that directly into the macbook pro but i think like um most people my age happen to or at least people who aren't total nerds are now macbook pros full-time or any sort of notebook full-time as their only computer But because of the pandemic, they're also using monitors like I am. So it seems to be sort of the default way a lot of folks work. And that used to drive me a little bit bonkers, but I've had zero problems with the MacBook Pro I have had some issues with the studio display that I like something weird has happened and uh, some audio won't come out. So I need to unplug my monitor (laughs) and plug it back in. But I can't complain too much about that because it's still so much better than the LG Ultrafine that uh, most nerds had for years, which was the I think Marco Arment coined it like yeah it's just it's the lg fine it's Mm -hmm. fine but unplugging this is still better than restarting my car when carplay doesn't work so you know you (laughs) take what you can get
1: eventually everything needs to be rebooted that's the lesson yes Mm
2: -hmm. yes if if human brains need to sleep then i can forgive unplugging and plugging back in my monitor
0: that's a that's a healthy way to think about it (laughs) but the uh a couple questions on that number one is you know historically, having a laptop that you just plug into an external display has been a bit of a crapshoot. You know, sometimes mm-hmm, it works mm-hmm. and sometimes it doesn't. I remember I used to have to, like, plug it in but then lift the lid just enough to get the, the laptop to engage and then shut the lid. And then it would go to, you know, there's all these, like, little tricks you do over the years. But, you know, the promise with the, the the modern Apple displays is you're supposed to be able to just plug them in no matter what and they will always work. Has that been your experience or...? Or how's that working for you?
2: I've only had to do it once, and that was when I had uh, a beta Ventura running off of a hard drive. Sure. So a lot of things were probably just going wrong in that situation. And even when the old Apple um, was, I think it was just called the Thunderbolt's display. I apologize if I'm getting wrong that wrong, Stephen. I think
0: that's right. I think that's yeah. What
2: that I still had to open and close my MacBook Pro at the time. I've, in fact, I had a friend 3D print me a little hinge for my old 13 uh, f- uh, inch MacBook Pro. Because I had to open and do that little tiny wedge thing all the time. But if you have your MacBook in some sort of dock or for me, I think it was, um, you know, I just have one of those things that you slide the MacBook in so that it is uh, like the, you know, it's it's, you need to open it kind of like a book. I I think we're in the same boat, but. Uh, And in the past, I used to have to do that all the time with my little sad plastic hinge off of my little weird dock I had for the MacBook Pro. But in this case, I've only had to do it one time, which if I had to do it every single day, I would be okay with it because using I also have a touch. I have a magic keyboard with a touch ID. So it's just so much better.
0: This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password. It is the 1Password application both Stephen and I use to protect ourselves and our families online. 1Password brings so many tools to bear on protecting you. First, it allows you to create strong and unique passwords for every website or service that you sign up for, and then it manages it all that for you. So all you have to remember is your one password, and that's why they have the name. But the thing about one password is it's in a company where every person that works there is dedicated to protecting its customers' privacy, and they do so many cool features on that regard. For instance. One of the things they do is they track websites that get hacked and they'll compare that to the list of passwords you have. So it'll tell you when you open the up, you're saying, Hey, you're using this, this website. Well, guess what? They got hacked. You should probably change your password there. And it does that for you because I don't want to keep track of all that stuff. They also are constantly writing cool blog posts and entries to help you protect your privacy. Most recently they wrote a post about doxing and uh, doxing is that, hacker thing where they identify somebody and they, you know, put your name out there into the public when you don't want it out there. But it also talks about social engineering and ways that you can be vulnerable without realizing it. And uh, not only do we need to protect ourselves, a lot of times people that listen to Mac Power, you just need to protect their family as well, especially elderly relatives that are so subject to these types of social engineering hacks. Um, So I would recommend reading this article. I'll put a link in the show notes for it. Um, and it gives you some great advice on how to protect yourself and others. But that's just what 1Password does. I mean, when you sign up for their service, you're getting that whole team at your back at all times. They always keep on top of all the risks to your privacy. And uh, I just am so happy as a customer. I just paid my renewal. I have the family plan. You can get that, too. Just go to um onepassword.com slash MPU in all caps. I, I used all caps this time. I got my own discount. Isn't that cool? So, uh, just onepassword.com/mpu in all caps. You get a nice twenty percent discount on that family plan. Protect everybody in your family. So go check it out. Onepassword.com/mpu in all caps and sign up today. Alex, one question a lot of people have when you're running just off your laptop is storage. Like, how do you deal with like large amounts of storage, backups, things like that? Um, I know you have a lot of media files. I mean, that's your job. And, you know, the laptops don't have the amounts of storage you'd historically get in a desktop machine. How are you getting around that?
2: Mm, Well, this time I got around it by spending way too much money to have four terabytes on my (laughs) laptop. But what I used to do was have a, a, just use various types of NASA's, And uh, now I actually just got a Synology. So I do have four terabytes to keep pretty much everything that I will need on a daily basis, which includes like larger media files and sound effects and like uh, just footage that I put in a lot of projects often. But to archive footage, I have started sending things off into my Synology and I can still access that from wherever um and i really have been sort of synology brained by casey liss i i think um because it's it's definitely not for everybody usually i just set folks up with a time machine and have them back everything up to an ex along with backing s- stuff up uh, if they are using their macbooks or macbook pros as their main device i'll just be like okay here is a um whatever is the fastest drive external drive that you can afford plug this in and just treat it as external storage and then i if it is one of my relatives i will install backblaze on it just like i have so that they don't even know that their computer is totally backed up cuz i don't i i like to pretend that i don't have backblaze and that eventually if I have to use it, that's that's fine, and it. I'm pretty sure that I'm costing Backlit Blaze money at this point because it has, you know, my entire Dropbox backed up and all of that stuff. So, I I do think if you are getting a laptop, you should still spend as much. If you if you have a budget, throw as much. Into RAM as you can, but right after that is get as much storage as possible because
0: yeah, it's not like the old days. You can't you, you can't add storage later. You know you mm-hmm. gotta. And the, I think for all of us nerds, like if we're using Backblaze, if we're actually getting data off Backblaze, something went wrong. You know, right? I mean, we love having it, but uh, we really hope we never need it.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm kind of a a normie, really. Can because people who work with video uh, a lot of video files both of you you know you know this now i you probably yeah, i know that you have more complicated workflows but a lot of people who are working in on big projects and using adobe premiere and stuff it's kind of common practice to keep it on an external NAS that everyone can can get all of that footage on and off. I was almost going to say easily, but that's just a dream and something we like to tell ourselves. It's a nightmare almost every time, but most people don't need as much storage as I do now that I'm only or mostly working with my own stuff.
0: All right. So what about the other things, shiny things Apple makes? Are you an iPad user at this point?
2: I used my iPad as sort of my primary computer for all of the laptop uh, or all of the butterfly (laughs) keyboard years because it was just so unreliable. And you know what? Having a dongle with an HDMI port that you could take to... A theater, if you were doing a live show, whether that be an improv show or a podcast or whatever, it was more reliable than the dongle, the USB C dongles in a MacBook, which really sucked. But at the time, I think a lot of folks felt like the Mac was really just slow like not dying but it just wasn't supposed to be for normal use and uh, unless there was a way that i could uh you you noted that if i was in my own theater or my company's theater i could be in a booth like wired up but i just did not trust plugging a mac into other people's stuff because it rarely worked and ipad always worked and then the m1 came out and it was just so tempting That I was like, all right, clearly Apple cares about the Mac again. So I actually sold off my iPad Pros. And right now I have an iPad mini that I adore. That's just like my reading device. But other than, yeah, other than that, I don't really use an iPad anymore anymore. Not even because I think, I mean, there are a lot of issues that you folks have talked about with the iPad software and the iPad betas especially, but because Shortcuts is on the Mac, pretty much everything that I wanted or I could do with my iPad and I wanted to do on my Mac, now I can So, um, but the thing that's sort of weird about me and people give me a lot of looks for is usually using my iPhone as my main, uh, not my main, but my primary computer, I guess. I get a new iPhone every year. It's my favorite vice to Mm -hmm. spend a thousand dollars on something that we all say that we don't need, but I think honestly, year over year, it does make my work um, better and faster. And the reason it's, I call it like my primary computer is because for years it was the only thing that I could rely on for re- reception, having a keyboard that worked, because, <laughs> even though it was a software keyboard, which is so sad. Um, and uh, really, it n- now, It has, I can access everything. I can, I might not be able to do everything I want. Like, you know, I can't manipulate footage and can't do a lot of automations that I want, but it is the, it's still the most reliable computer I have. So when I'm out and about, I, And i do a lot of writing and stuff in uh, cafes like i'm i've always been that person (laughs) and but now i'm that person with a little iphone stand and a foldable keyboard or if i'm really being a nerd my uh my magic my full-on magic keyboard um but That's kind of where I've been at because I don't have an iPad and because I am more hesitant to take my MacBook places because it's it's pretty heavy. And also it doesn't have the like I I, it has Apple care, but I also have the confidence that anywhere in the world, if I smash my iPhone, I can get it up and running as quickly as I need it whereas a Mac, not so much. Does that make any sort of sense? I know that that's like absolutely wild, but I I do. I trust my phone more than my laptop, even though Apple Silicon is just fantastic.
1: I mean, I think that's true for a lot of people whose phone is their primary computer or only computer in, in a lot of places. I mean, I know for me and you know other than recording and editing other than like doing the actual podcasts themselves like I can run my business from my phone and there are definitely seasons or times where that is exactly how I do it right if I'm traveling or or just away from the office I I can do so much with the phone now I have not gone to the links of a little iPhone stand and a and a foldable keyboard but to your point you know the iPhone's pretty ubiquitous and if something were to happen you can replace it. Um, I I would say, you know, I'm kind of like ranking things in my mind. iPhone with a Bluetooth keyboard is definitely better than taking an iMac or like a desktop PC to a coffee (laughs) shop. Those those pictures float around every few years. So you're ahead of those people.
2: Another thing that is really... Important is I think it's the one thing that sort of keeps me in touch with reality when it comes to what normal tech consumers are d- doing slash using because a lot of the and I don't do much consulting anymore but so many folks are like well I have my work computer but I don't I don't need to touch that I just have my iPhone and that's why I I'm so glad Shortcuts is on the Mac but Shortcuts is. Uh, the app shortcuts and shortcuts, the lowercase things are becoming uh, like pe- people are actually discovering them and using them. So it's also a way to just kind of remind myself when I'm trying to explain a technical issue to somebody like um knowing what their tech vocabulary is, so, sort of, because, I mean, like I just said, shortcuts, shortcuts, uh, Mac, Max, and Max, all of the weird names Apple have, it makes things less accessible. So also just using a phone constantly for most of my work, it, 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 it Helps me do tech support as well, even though I don't do it as much.
0: I totally uh, understand your hesitancy to take your MacBook Pro all around the world with you. Uh, you already said you got the, the the high memory. I'm sure you got a good build, and that's like your precious now. You know, it's like your iMac Pro of yesteryear, and. I went through the same thing because I have a MacBook Pro that is really well specced and I get nervous every time I take it out. My solution was to buy a MacBook Air, but, you know, that wasn't probably as wise as what you're doing, just using your phone. But uh, I do think that there's something to that. And, you know, your laptop is in essence your production machine and you think of it differently when that happens.
2: I will say when Steven wrote that love letter to the M2 MacBook Air, it was so, so tempting to get <laughs> that just, oh, the, that cute little guy. And uh, my head prevailed and I just have one Mac. But if I, oh, that MacBook Air is gorgeous and so fast. It is really close that it could be my main production machine, but not quite there yet.
0: Alex, what, in your mind, where do you say this is an iPhone thing versus this is a Mac thing? What are kind of the general categories in your head?
2: Mm, media production and manipulation, and uh, which it includes podcast recording, uh, obviously. Although I have done some quick and dirty edits from my iPhone, um, I would never admit that I edited an episode of uh, my, I I guess, main podcast, By Friday, with Merlin Mann on my iPhone. But, you know, sometimes you're in an airport and things happen. uh, (laughs) And then you're using Ferrite to uh, edit four hours of audio on your phone. So I... I, (laughs) The Mac... Almost everything is maybe not easier, but faster. But sometimes the iPhone is just more delightful. Like I have been enjoying um, actually listening to and taking notes on um, podcasts I'm editing or rather like listening to and taking editing notes and not actually editing it, editing it. From um, Overcast because the new dynamic island on the iPhone 14 Pro just is so delightful every time I use it. But yeah, it's not practical, but it's fun. And that's how I got uh, the how and why I love Apple. So, you know, if you have the time, why not?
0: One what, what other question for you um, The idea of using your phone in like a coffee shop with a foldable keyboard. That, you know, because I just went back up to the Mac size on it. And when you said, it, I'm like, huh, I could probably do that again. What What are your favorite apps to, tell I me mean, what do you use the keyboard for when you're sitting there and uh, propping up your phone somewhere and using it with a, a proper, you know, foldable Bluetooth keyboard?
2: My main app pretty much everywhere and almost it's almost an OS at this point for me is uh, Drafts by the brilliant Agile Tortoise, um, Greg or Greg Turtle, as I call him sometimes. (laughs) Um, And I do use Obsidian, um, but most, you know, Obsidian's getting better on mobile almost every day, it seems. But right now, Drafts has like, all of the shortcuts to almost all the shortcuts you would use on the Mac and especially on the iPad are just there on iOS. And the other thing really is is Siri. I talk to my phone a whole, whole lot. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. It's kind of like keyboard shortcuts. Like there's so much I do that it's really hard to... Uh, I mean, that's why I, I keep almost everything in Markdown is because I have v- v- just terrible memory and I keep everything in Obsidian and Drafts so that I can find it quickly and easily through uh, wherever I am. So I and usually the biggest problem I run into isn't the iOS software, but sp- <laughs> For some, uh, sometimes the keyboard is just really bad, so I'm uh, constantly kind of on the hunt for a fold- foldable keyboard that is reliable. But it's also why I travel with a magic keyboard as well. Sometimes I plug it into my iPhone if it isn't ch- charged. I get a lot of weird looks. It doesn't. It's not that weird. It's a keyboard and an iPhone. Um, but the I, I think that's also why. Um, also, being able to pull up Spotlight from a keyboard on your iPhone is just so, so, so cool. It feels like running, like, I feel like a kid running Quicksilver again from uh, a uh, iMac DV in like a 2005. It's great.
0: Yeah, you know, I will I will second the nomination for drafts there because I, I love Obsidian 2, but I almost never open up my phone because it's just... An app that works way better on the Mac, you know, just the way it's made. Whereas Drafts is like a beast on the phone. And uh, in terms of keyboards, I would recommend iClever. Um, They've got several. I bought one. I just looked at my Amazon history. I bought it in 2019. The one I have, they don't even make anymore. But it's it's in two pieces and it folds, as opposed to three. You know, some of them fold up into three. This one folds up into two. But it's it's small enough that it fits in almost any bag. And I've been using it with an iPad mini, but I, I want to do some experiments now with the phone and see where that goes. But yeah, they're out there and they're not that expensive. That's a nice thing. Like you can try some of these. Um, this is something I would recommend trying off Amazon with a company that has a return policy. You know, get it, tried for a few days and you'll know very quickly if it works for you or not. Send it back if it doesn't.
2: That's what I've been doing recently with USB-C uh, foldable keyboards because I had yeah. a iClever I is great. Um, the main one I'm using right now is a Sam <laughs> Samser's portable rechargeable wireless keyboard with stand holder, which is kind of has a weird little hinge that makes – puts it, it's a little bit uh, more ergonomic. But okay. mm, know, right now there's only a, a micro USB version, which is such a pain. Yeah, it's the last thing. Oh, yeah,
0: my mind does too. I, I've got a couple things in my life that are still micro, but I just have like one spot in the house. And, and the nice thing with these foldable keyboards is like you could you could charge it and then go on vacation and then come back and you're fine. You know, you don't even need to bring a charging cable. I guess depending on how long your vacation for a week, you could have it for a week and not have a problem
2: which used to be the case for me except i do you it's about it's about 3 days for, okay. for me and i actually have an sure. automation to um for uh every every three days a reminder to charge my keyboard and when that reminder is completed it just opens obsidian because then at least i have a th- like three days of obsidian work where all of my image uh, images and my vault is synced up and and whatnot so again pretty it's it's Pretty slow, but if I need it, at least it's there.
0: This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Text Expander. Go to Textexpander.com/slash MPU to get 20% off your first year. One thing we love at the Mac Power Users is Text Expander. That's because it's the tool that helps you get started with automation right away. If there's anything you type on your computer more than once, you need Text Expander. With Text Expander, you can stop wasting time on repetitive work and make your Mac do the work for you. Text Expander saves you time by activating the things you type regularly with just a few clicks. Both Stephen and I have been using Text Expander for more than a decade. It's just an amazing tool that goes so much farther than any other text replacement tool. With Text Expander, you can have it fill in things like your address and phone number, but you can also have it create emails for you, form letters customer support requests. Whatever it is that you type regularly, you can automate it with TextExpander. Back when I was in the law racket, I used it to fill in contract terms. These days, I use it a lot for customer support requests. TextExpander gives you the ability to insert things like the date and time or uh, hard-coded keys like the tab key or the return key. It's just so powerful. Also, with Text Expander, you can do automation. You can put AppleScript or JavaScript automation right in your Text Expander snippet. There's just no other app that does this kind of thing, and it's super powerful. I always call it the starting point for automation because it's so good to get you started with automating. If you've been interested in making your computer work harder for you so you don't have to, Text Expander is a great way to get started. Just collect anything you type more than once add it to a text expander snippet, and you're off to the races. And then as you learn how to use the application, you can go deeper. Like one of the things I do is emails where I type in a snippet in the subject line. Text expander automatically fills in that subject line, then hits the tab key, then uses an Apple script to grab the name of the recipient, puts that in there, and then types my text for me. It's super powerful and super fast. And that's not all you can do with text expander because they also support Teams with text expander you can get your team communicating faster so they can focus on what's the most important the way it works is you set up a text expander database of common snippets that your whole team can access that gets information out of silos and into the hands of everyone that needs to use it and when you need to make changes you can make it in the text expander cloud and it automatically populates to everybody else that's on the team it's really that easy. And TextExpander is available on the Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. And best of all, if you're a listener, you get 20% off your first year. TextExpander was the original sponsor of the Mac Power Users, and we will always be appreciative of them for that. If you want to learn more, go to textexpander.com MPU. Once again, textexpander.com MPU to get that 20% off your first year and learn more. Thank you, TextExpander, for all of your support of the Mac Power Users.
1: Alex, we've talked uh, a little bit about what you're doing as, a, as an independent now, and I'm, I'm curious to talk about the tools and, and apps that you're using to manage that. Uh, let's start with communication. I mean, even though you are N D, you work with a lot of people on a lot of different projects. How do you go about organizing that information, keeping people on track, et cetera?
2: I mean, nothing too wild or original at this point. I wouldn't say I'm flailing, but I'm still getting sort of used to indie life since it's uh, I've been truly independent since um, I think the beginning of June. Uh, because when you are the IT person for your company, like un- <laughs> just and and that company itself is independent, sort of uncoupling all of your business stuff and your personal stuff takes like m- a month. It it was absolutely wild. Um, but right now, my main tools, like most people, are Slack and uh, increasingly. Discord, which I feel kind of we- weird about. uh I, I had to, sw- I did not have to, but I finally acquiesced and I'm using Todoist instead of OmniFocus for the first time in a while, which OmniFocus used to like totally run my life. And I'm pretty sure when the New version of Omnifocus comes back all uh, comes out. I'll switch back because I really, really like it. um, but I've gotten much more into collaborative tasks and the kanban sort or the card view i think they technically call it in obsidian uh, or i'm sorry to doist has been very helpful for long long term projects that have been starting up um, but a lot of what i do is fast paced quick conversations before or after a uh, recording or a meeting or something. Uh, but in order, so that's like the main communication tools are really Slack and Discord and less and less email, which is awesome it makes me so so happy uh, I love I I you know do inbox zero which Merlin man totally totally endorses me emptying my inbox every day mm-hmm. Uh, then the sort of keeping things on track for myself has even when I was at my jobby job was using toggle the time tracking I, I guess it's uh I never really used the app I used its API with various apps and and now, especially timery. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I almost never open the app actually because I use things like Bunch by Brett Terpstra, uh, Terpstra Brett Terpstra, and uh, j- or built-in shortcuts on ios that when i am doing something like recording a podcast editing a podcast or even just doing research a timer will start and then about every week i check to make sure i look at my timery stats to see if i'm kind of on track or i see oh wow there's a big chunk of time that i did that is unaccounted for i try to go back and like Look at my calendar and see what or if I was doing anything and it's kind of been um i i, I it, it was illuminating actually even before I left my job just seeing how often I was wrong about how long something would would take me. And I I sort of reversed the rule of uh, I always assume something is going to take me much longer than I think it will. Um, And now I think it will. I actually have become faster at some things. And I, then I'm like, ooh, free time. Hooray. And I've got more time to tinker. But that also leads to like procrastination. So I'm kind of trying to get a hold on Okay because I'm not in- being interrupted with my job joby job stuff on after hours like I f- have full mostly full control of my schedule how much time do things like wh- wh- how much time do I actually need to devote mm-hmm. to something um so I I guess really once again time tracking has been the main thing that has kept me sane, really. Like, it, it's the one thing that, like, really keeps me in touch with reality because hopefully, I think a lot of us get into that flow. Uh, and especially with I do use a, a really basic Pomodoro timer that literally looks like a tomato. So I do the <laughs> yeah, I do. I don't do it exactly. But you know, I work for 30 minutes, um, then take five minutes off. um, And then when I get tired, I take a 20 minute break. The, which is very boring, but uh, another pandemic thing was like learning to listen to my body and like having a good chair has become the most important thing for me with indie life. It's great being 32 is also awesome, but I'm totally prepared for my body to break down at any moment. So <laughs> uh, part of my productivity now is making sure I take care of my body. Uh, oh, another shortcuts thing is uh, making sure I am hydrated. I I, I don't know, like I'm I'm. Trying to, like I said, I hope that I am not flailing, but I'm sort of still treading the indie waters. And I have been lucky enough to be, I was lucky enough to do a lot of my own projects when I still had a jobby job without them owning any, uh, like any of the IP, any of the creative stuff. So I'm just, still i i know david you've kind of gone through that where you were a full-time law- lawyer and then a sort of kind of sometimes a lawyer and and now you're just a big mac boy so i'm i'm trying to figure out like what uh Am I just fully going to be the big pod boy or am I going to do more streaming stuff or do more writing stuff? And uh, t- time tracking and communication with other indie folks is how I'm sort of figuring all of that out.
0: Well, I think that you time tracking is one of the smartest things you can do. And um, it's like magic because so often we work in this negative feedback loop where mm-hmm. we wake up, we're like, well, I'm going to do these 15 things today. And each one of them is only going to take 10 minutes. And, but we don't really hold ourselves accountable. But when you time track, you actually at the end of the day say, oh, that thing I thought was going to take 15 minutes took three hours. And then suddenly the next time you do that thing, you don't say it's going to take 15 minutes. You'll probably, because we're human, you'll say, well, I can do it in an hour and a half. You know, you'll know, you eventually get yourself up to the three hours that it actually takes. Mm-hmm. But, but once you get there with using the feedback loop of time tracking, you will get there. And you say, you wake up in the morning and say, well, I'm going to do three things today. And they're going to be done right. And they're going to take the amount of time that they normally take to do. And I'm going to finish the day feeling great. Because when you say you're going to do 15 things, you're lucky if you do one. But if you say you're going to do three things, you may actually do three things. And it's just it's just a wonderful technique that is, it seems unintuitive. And I hear from this all the time because I talk about it on the Focus podcast. People write me, they're like, I don't have time to write down my time, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, but you know what? Because you don't have time is why you need to do it. and. And you really do, it's it's like an investment. It's like putting, you know, a nickel in and getting $10 back. It's so worth it. But you don't know that until you experience it. And it's very hard to like force yourself to try it because it seems intuitively that it's just a waste, but it's not.
2: Mm-hmm. I really like what I think Brett Terpstra has said about automation Where sure, if you put three hours into it and uh, over the next three years, if you get that three hours back, it's probably worth it. But more importantly for me, when I automate something, it's almost like making a checklist of what I need to do. So even if that automation breaks sometime, uh, like sometimes some sorry, sometime down the line, I can see, like, okay, what did this automation do so that I know how to fix it? That still makes my life easier, and I'm not missing a step.
0: It's hard, but I, I mean, I mean, to kind of go down that rabbit hole. I also think that um, when you make the automation, then it makes sure that you do it right going forward. Like,
2: mm-hmm, totally. A couple,
0: you know, like six months ago, I rewrote all my automations for podcast planning. And like now, I get the right things and the right lists in the right places, and it's easy for me to see what's on deck and everything. Whereas before, I felt like I was starting to get in a spot where I was kind of flying by the seat of my pants, and you know, taking the time sometimes helps. And then, in the case of someone like Brett Terpstra, uh, he he does something amazing. And he saves himself some time, but he saves the world globally time because yes. he puts it out there. And then <laughs> it really, like, um, you know, it's exponential.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, I, one thing I'm really impressed with, Alex, listening to you today is just how much you're saying the word shortcuts and bringing automation. Is shortcuts kind of your automation platform of choice at this point?
2: Definitely. And uh, part of that is the sort of staying in touch with How normal people are using their tech and slowly being able to bring them in using simple shortcuts like, hey, this is going to look at look at it just you it's suggesting you can put it on your calendar. Isn't that great? along with Apple straight up saying, shortcuts is the future of automation. And uh, for the longest time, yeah, and I was like, oh, thank God. Like, I know some people did not like hearing that, but at least it it was said, and at least it's out in the open. It's like when uh, I, I feel like it was when you are watching a couple and they are, you know that they're going to get divorced or break up, but they just don't say it and everyone's holding their breath and uh, it's like, yep, we're just, we're <laughs> not going to do uh, Automator. A- a- Apple Script is it's not going anywhere, but we're like, we, hey kids, we still love you. It's not your fault, but we're going to go with shortcuts mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> Automator's moving out.
0: Uh, I think in the case of Apple Script, it's like, hey kids, It'd be a lot of work to get rid of you. So we're going to keep yeah. you around.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's, we're going to keep you here until you're 18. Uh, well, and, and I also, mean,
0: let me add on that point, though. I have heard from Apple people. There is a bunch of the back end at Apple that's running on Apple Script. If they got rid of Apple mm-hmm. Script, I think the whole company would break down.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. There's That's what I'm sort of uh, loving about shortcuts is... I've been able to learn and understand a lot of the things I was not able to with automators or Apple script because I was never... I I was very much an automator, but really I, I used the power of like... Friendimation rather than automation because yeah. all I my my like key secret was just glomming on to smart people and befriending folks like Brett and Jay Miller and, and Merlin and it's like please help me please show please Jason Snell help me my automation for podcasting it's very sick please sh- <laughs> show me how to use the new audio hijack and it just becomes better all around because mm-hmm. someone like me who i is you know i'm i'm i barely write scripts but when i do at least now i kind of know what i'm doing whereas before i would i knew just enough to be dangerous and then would break everything and and beg a friend's help whereas now it's like okay this is the i messed up a magic variable and and I know how I can fix this, and now I know how to make better and newer automations with shortcuts. And when WWDC comes around and things change, like I feel like I've been able to grow and learn with shortcuts, whereas that was really difficult for me when uh, uh, you know, there was scripting languages that have existed since before I was born.
0: I have a soapbox on shortcuts and that's that people. Uh, who listen to this stuff really should try and they should try to make little tiny shortcuts that's all you need to do to start i think
2: uh, Mm -hmm. too often
0: people that want to learn this stuff say well i'm going to make a shortcut that's going to you know do something on the level of federico well federico is the world's greatest shortcuts builder right so you shouldn't Mm -hmm. start there start with one that just like when i take a picture of my dog it messages it to my you know spouse and Mm -hmm. You could, anybody could make that shortcut. And then like, once you build it, then it gives you the confidence to make one a little more complicated. And before you know it, you're making really useful shortcuts. I I can tell you as someone I've written books on shortcuts, made video courses on it. The ones I use are not my most complicated ones. The ones that I use the Mm -hmm. most often are usually 10 steps or less.
2: I really think the shortcuts team have taken the attitude of like, okay, if we build it, they will come. When it g- comes to not just like normal people, but apps like Better Touch Tool and Keyboard Maestro and yeah. Audio Hijack, because then you can still do some really complicated, amazing things. But I, I, I don't, I don't need I. There are some things that I still don't need to slash have to build, which is exciting yeah. that it's really accessible to a way larger group of people.
1: And what's cool with, with a lot of these tools is that you can crack open the automation and see what it's doing, right? It, mm-hmm. With some of the like, older stuff like with AppleScript or even like shell scripting, some of that... Like you can kind of work it out, but it's hard to follow the flow at least for me and a shortcut's like okay, well, things are going to around top to bottom basically and in, in this workflow, and you can see each step individually and see how it's working. I mean there's tons of times when, when I you know well I'm looking to solve a problem, you can go find a shortcut that's similar and look how that that one is built and kind of work out where you need to go and that's a really cool thing yes. it, it, it's making it much more accessible to people who are just learning.
2: And I think that other apps are sort of l- either learning that or finding it easier to implement. Is especially Alfred, which is my not just my favorite app launcher, but my one of my favorite Mac apps. Like the uh, the I think in Alfred Five they call it workflows yeah. n- now, and you know just being able to build uh, automations with those little blocks. And it's not that I always need or want a, like a, I almost called it WYSIWYG, like a visual editor. It's just a great way to get started. Um, And Alfred is like, oh, people, the team at Alfred, I remember talking to them and they were like, people seem to really take to this shortcuts way of thinking so let's try to do this and uh you know uh steven like you said like if there's this one part i don't understand like i'm still learning regular expressions it's you know where to go to fix something hopefully
0: yeah i mean it, it's great and you know we've got this whole i mean on the mac right now we are entering a golden age of automation. I'm convinced mm-hmm. for a couple of reasons. I mean, first, like you say, shortcuts is here on the Mac and a bunch of app developers who historically didn't really do a lot for automation now have a very easy mechanism they can plug into. So, and especially as Ventura releases, because Apple has made shortcuts even easier to create for your apps. And that's something we'll see with Ventura. So it's like, users of shortcuts are going to get like new toys every time they open the toolbox. You know, every time you open it there's something new in there because some app you already own has added shortcut support. But then uh, the historical kind of more consumer friendly uh, automations, Hazel, Keyboard Maestro, they have also now got hooks in so you can use the best of Hazel with the best of Keyboard Maestro with the best of shortcuts. And it's really not that hard to glue them all together and, I feel like people who want to like go down that rabbit hole are going to turn into wizards with their Macs because, you know, putting those three tools together gives you so much, just so many options.
2: Mm-hmm, totally.
0: Did I just go down the, uh, the automation rabbit hole? I'm sorry. I just woke. I just opened my eyes and realized,
1: <laughs> what, what did I just do?
0: Oh, it happens.
1: It definitely happens.
0: Uh, okay. I'll, I'll get off the soapbox.
1: This episode of Mech Power Users is made possible by Indeed. When it comes to hiring, you need to trust your gut. What if you could give your gut some help? When you want to find top talent fast, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills. When you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. Candidates you invite to apply through Instant Match are three times more likely to apply than candidates who only see it in search, according to U.S. Indeed data. And if you hate waiting, Indeed's U.S. data shows that 80% of employers find quality candidates whose resume on in Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. It really is incredible. Join Indeed now to see why 3 million businesses worldwide are using it to hire great talent fast. Indeed knows that when you're doing everything for your company, you can't afford to overspend on hiring. So go to Indeed.com MPU to start hiring now. That's I-N-D-E-E-D dot com M-P-U. That's Indeed.com M-P-U. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing is not available for everyone. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Our thanks to Indeed for the support of the show and Relay FM.
0: All right, guys, we all got new iPhones. It's time to talk about iPhone 14 impressions. Alex, now, I know you get a new one every year.
2: I you do. You told us. <laughs> what'd you get? I got the iPhone 14 Pro, the regular, reasonable size, because uh, I have gigantic hands, but they're wide, not long, so I can't, I can barely reach the top of my iPhone as it is, Uh, and that's my soapbox, and I shall get (laughs) down off of it, Um, (laughs) but uh, the Apple finally did it. I know it's a bit contentious, but there is a pro phone in purple now, and it it might not be the best purple, but it's a purple. And when I look at my purple phone, it makes me happy. Uh, But that's not that's not that important.
0: Oh, wait, I have a question there, though, because I just talked to Rosemary Orchard yesterday and she says, well, sometimes it looks a little gray. I mean, is it purple enough for you?
2: It. it, That's the thing I've been I've really loved the white iPhones since the iPhone um, 11, I believe. Yes. And that I mean, hmm, or the I, I believe the iPhone 12, that that's when I think the white really started to pop and it's just gotten better every year. Just the silver accents are very, very pretty. But seeing that amazing la- the, the like lavender on uh, the the regular iPhone, I was like, "Dang, dang!" and. Uh, The thing with this purple iPhone is, sure, sometimes it looks a little gray, but it's better than the weird poop color that all of the black uh, or slate or space gray or whatever the iPhone pros have, those have been. I think the worst was the... um, Maybe it was the iPhone 11. I forget. It was like brown. And even, even Jason Sell, who's colorblind, was like, yeah, this, this is not good. So I am like, okay, it it's not the best purple, but it's a pro phone. We take what we can get. The tiniest bit of whimsy, I will just eat it up.
0: Yeah, I know. It's funny because I, I think I talk about this too much on the show, but I think Apple is so dropping the ball with colors because like, they put out a gray purple, and everybody's losing their mind over it.
2: Yeah. Imagine
0: if they'd put out like a regular purple and mm-hmm. and an orange one and a red one, and like you know just like what if they had really just like embraced the colors like they did with the iMac last year? I mean, I just feel like
2: exactly. Oh gosh.
0: You know, it's like we're all like thankful. It's like, well, it's pretty gray. But but we still love it, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> give it yeah,
2: to, it, it feels a little bit like the COVID, the U.S. COVID response of like, okay, it's pretty bad, but just give, give, please give me a vaccine. Yes, I I know that it's things are really bad, but yes, sure, I will take what I can get. Healthcare for free? Yes, please, please, God, uh, donate to St. Jude. Everybody, they provide <laughs> services uh, for free, um, and I almost. I, I know folks at Apple listen to a lot of feedback from all of you professional Apple nerds, and I hope they're slowly being like, okay, people will spend money on the colors. People, people like them. Sure, maybe there will be an Apple color are at some point. Yeah. I wonder if uh I, I I I don't like being the person who's like, I wonder if if Steve was there or but yeah. I. Uh, colors have gotten better since uh, Mr. Ive have left the company, so who knows? We're getting there.
0: Yeah, I mean it's really hard to put a specific person on it because I think it's a pretty big company. But I like in my Max Sparky Labs, one of the members' wives insisted on getting the iPhone Pro this year. She's never had it before, but they had a purple one, so she wanted it. And it just seems to me like such a no-brainer. But you know, I- I'd love to hear an explanation from Apple why they're so muted with the pro phones, but mm-hmm. and all, all their pro stuff. Um, it just seems like, I mean, you could still make a black and gray and white one. Sure. But, you know, I mean, they used to make like 10 different color iPods, which sold at much lower volumes and they were able to manage that. I just feel like, come on, man. But anyway, enough on colors. I, I want to talk about e-sim. I, I was worried about it. Um, Oh but boy! <laughs> it, it turned out to be no problem for me. My phone said, "Hey, uh, I see that, you know because I put my old phone next to it and it was doing that pairing things." Is uh, I the new phone said, "I don't have a slot, but I have an eSIM. Is it okay if I if you grab your phone number from your old phone?" I said, "Sure." And then two minutes later, it was working. And uh, I was I thought that was going to be way more difficult. But how was your experience with that, uh, Stephen and, and Alex?
1: Yep, yeah, mine was smooth. I did the direct transfer. Uh, so not even iCloud back or Bernie's store. And basically just one of yeah. those steps in the beginning was like exactly what you said. Hey, you need to move to an eSIM. Do you want to do it? And it was really easy. It took a couple of minutes on my end, but it it went through and I've had absolutely no problems since. Uh, I do find it a little funny. Some of the teardowns are up, for people taking apart these phones. and The U.S. phones just have... Basically, an empty space where the SIM tray used to be. <laughs> yeah, because they oh, are still shipping yeah. physical SIM cards right.
2: <laughs> in
1: phones around the world. Just US phones are eSIM only, so they don't want to make, I guess, two different two different hardware designs. You, you know what
0: they should have done with that? You know, they, what they should have done is they should have put a headphone shack in there, but not put a port. You know, just just put <laughs> like it on in the there. Side? <laughs> no, just put it inside the phone where the eSIM would be, but not put the hole in the side. So. So just when the teardowns, yeah, just to say, <laughs> yeah, we could have if we wanted.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. the then people are like buying custom drill bits to, you know, access the, <laughs> the headphone port. But yeah, mine went well. It, the direct transfer, I've done it several years in a row now, and it, it takes a long time. I mean, I set mine up to run overnight, and I think last time I looked at my phone before going to sleep, it was like, I have four hours left, and I assume it took all four hours, but... It was really seamless, and all of your stuff basically is there. I haven't really found anything major that I have to log back into other than the YouTube app, but that's not a big deal. You know, Slack and Discord and iMessage, everything just kind of comes right over. And to me, it's the most seamless way to move between phones. I mean, it's not the fastest, but it's definitely the most thorough. And mine has been a really a pretty smooth. Uh, migration this time. How about you, Alex? Okay.
2: <laughs> so, oh, I think I I should say much like with the purple phone, I'm I'm an outlier because my my two favorite colors are are gray and purple, so it's a perfect mix for me. I also might be w- one of the last people on the original iPhone and limited data plan from AT and T. So. like i i cannot pair my um or like my phone cannot be a hotspot it basically like it does not have um um it 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 has like the at&t fake 5g but i they will have to pry this data plan from my cold dead hands and i or so i thought because i was like oh no Oh no, I'm always able to just swap the physical SIM and I have not been in an AT&T store in decades because they always want me to upgrade a plan and I'm like no no no, I'm going to pay my $30 a month for this plan until I die. But it, it so I was like okay, yes, transfer eSIM, sure. Okay, all right. And I was like is this is this the time? And it took 30 minutes. But now it seems to work all right, but I have no idea what I would do if I had to transfer. uh, Like, I'm I'm very worried about what's going to happen next year. And I think eSIMs are great. They're secure. It's absolutely the way to go. But I have a feeling I'm going to start paying $60 for a phone plan uh, in a year or two, and it doesn't make me happy. And if, God forbid, I ever need to use an Android phone, I don't really know how that's going to work out. But I will say, honestly, I've been playing with eSIMs and uh, I don't know why I'm complaining about paying too much for a phone plan because now I do have a I I have a a currently a British phone number and it's just lives in my phone digitally. So I've been switching between uh, my eSIMs and it's been pretty cool, except for iMessage. iMessage has kind of broken and people are like, who the heck is this? Because my uh, like I don't know, an Apple ID it seems like works great uh with multiple emails, but not so much with multiple phone numbers. So uh, I think that'll get better. But iMessage has always kind of been weird for me. I think everyone has like one iCloud thing that's always been weird for them for some reason. So that is my burden to bear.
0: Well, I mean, they I, they probably have a board somewhere up at AT T and says Alex Cox is. And it says has one of those like signs. that's still on the old plan.
2: <laughs> I'm on the, the the most wanted list for one. cell phone carriers.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> last one, yeah. In fact, maybe that's what happened. When Apple called them. Said so we're going to ESIM. They're like, finally, we can get Alex Cox <laughs> off <on> that plan. <laughs>
2: they got. We got him. That's oh yeah. <laughs> what,
0: what about the 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 cameras? You guys digging the new cameras?
1: Yeah, I haven't had a ton of time to play with it yet uh but just shooting around the house it, it does seem way better in low light the ultra wide looks way better than it did i have not played any with the pro raw shooting to get the 48 megapixel you know the full image off the phone but the the pixel binning which they're doing so you shoot the 48 megapixel but you just get a 12 megapixel image after the fact like those look better than ever and it, it's really astonishing to me to go back even a few years, so like you know the the 10s or the 11, and you can really see the difference between then and now. And so if you're you know coming from an older phone, uh, camera is always a good reason to uh, to update. But I've been I've been impressed with it so far.
0: Yeah, I so I did uh, the trip. We did went to Disneyland uh, the other night. Um, you know, my my daughter, my second daughter, went off to college, so now. Now we are empty nesters officially. And we're Mm -hmm. just looking at each other like, oh man, what does this mean? And I said, Well, why don't we just go have dinner at Disneyland? And she's like, Yeah, let's do that. (laughs) So we went. (laughs) And um, but I had this new phone and I started doing the the stress test. You know how you know how Austin Mann like goes into the wilderness, like like, you know, where you need like really good boots and you know, like a helicopter. Um, I go to Disneyland to test my camera. (laughs) But the, um, so I, we went in and the the stress test for me is like a couple things. Like you go into what they call dark rides, which are rides that have very little lighting, but they do have um, sometimes, you know, lit characters. It's like a stage, like riding through a stage, you know, we went through the Little Mermaid ride. And I I turned off the long exposure and I went in and took some images and they actually came out really good. There's a noticeable difference. Ultra wide camera way better i mean i you know i don't know how apple comes up with the numbers that is three times better in low light but it's better although i did get some vignetting i'm going to do a post or a video or something with all these photos once i get a chance the next few days but the um the vignetting showed up in ultra wide but mm. it, overall it looks really good uh the three the three times lens looks worse to me because the other two look so much better if that makes sense
1: And we've got the return of the 2X where they crop on the sensor. And that looks really good. And and I know a lot of people think this too, but 2X feels a bit more usable than 3X. So I was glad that that's come back on the pros.
0: Yeah. And I was worried about that because what they're doing is, you know, you've got a 48 megapixel sensor, um, which is bigger than the old 12 megapixel sensor. But when you're only taking the middle 12 megapixels, the actual sensor got smaller, I think, for a 12 megapixel only picture, you know. So I was thinking, well, this isn't going to look any good. And it actually looks really good. And I'm sure there's a lot of stuff they're doing on the on the chip to make it look good. But the uh, the 2X looks better than I expected. And the biggest disappointment for me was activity mode because I... Really want to shoot a lot of video, and I, you know, I do a lot of video stuff with my phone, um, and I really like that idea of that stabilization. Well, I will say that I've always been very happy with the video stabilization on the iPhone out of the box. It's pretty good already, and this is supposed to be like next level. But because we were there in the evening, I could not get it to work. It just the there was not enough light for it. It needs a it needs a it needs to be out in sunlight, I think, to really work to its best and then i went back and looked at all the videos apple had on the website and they were all during the day and um i was a little disappointed in activity mode not being um really very good in the evening
2: i was actually surprised by activity mode because i agree it does it kind of sucks in low light but if I am running around in a dark space. Something uh, terrible has happened and I probably shouldn't be filming it on my phone. Um, <laughs> okay. Like, sure. I, I don't want to have to blare uh, a witch project it, but I... Whenever a phone says, like, it's amazing, it's stabilizing, I'm like, no, it's not. It's bad. It's not going to be like a gimbal. But I went on the um, L train, which is our Chicago's public uh, transit, and uh, famously, they're very rickety and, and loud, and it's difficult to get video on uh, on the train because it shakes so much. But now, I, I, I like, just... Sh- stuck my phone against the the window and uh shot in activity mode and it it was phenomenal it looked almost as good as a uh i or well actually it looked better than some footage i had from a d dji gimbal um for an iphone and that excites me because i i this isn't this mode isn't for professional filmmakers necessarily, or or p- people who um, want to use a gimbal. It's I think it's for running around in the backyard with your pets, or just you know filming your friends j- jostling um, around. I mean I I shot some footage in a bar and it, it, yeah it, it didn't look great. But I am really excited to take it out on a boat to see how that looks because famously, gimbals also are still really bad when it comes to water just like the motors make it look weird so i i don't know the more software implementation like the the uh, apart from pixel binning which i don't understand but it still makes me excited um i'm glad that they're going with like this stabilization because it feels like something people will use more than cinema mode which is very cool just kind of boring after a while and i think that's going to get better every year i am glad that they're leaning into this rather than more cinema stuff or even more portrait mode stuff
0: but portrait mode is a good example like it started out kind of like active mode is now that was you had to have just the right circumstances for it but now Mm -hmm. it works almost everywhere and granted it's not going to match a thousand dollar piece of glass on a thousand dollar camera body but it it is going to look pretty good now and I do have hope that activity mode or active mode is it activity or active mode. No, I think it's, it's active, mode. active mode. Yeah. Active mode is going to get better with time, but I tested it at night. So, I mean, that was, I kind of, you know, made it harder for the system, but I even went into well-lit stores thinking, well, maybe I need to go into a store and it was giving me the warning and it, it just really didn't come out that good. I want to do another test with it during the daylight
1: I think it's interesting that they give you the warning instead of shooting it. And then it's bad. You find out later. Like, I'm glad that they, they interrupt you and say, Hey, look, you're not going to get what you think you're going to get if you keep doing this.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. But I, I want all those things. I want cinema mode. I want, or cinematic mode. I want active mode. I I want the phone to become just really great at all that camera stuff. And and every time we have this discussion, it's like, well, yeah, you could get a professional gimbal or you could get a, a better portrait camera. But, you know, the one in your pocket is your phone. And most people, very few people, you know, less than 1% of the people are going to buy that stuff. So mm-hmm. let's give everybody else something cool.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have either of you tried the... Um, the, the, I, I don't, there isn't a way to activate it. Right. But going, have you noticed the brighter screen outside? Because I have been loving that.
0: Yeah. agreed. It's great. You know, brighter is better.
2: If you were to play a lot of video games outside, like I do maybe sort of it's, uh, and it doesn't really run the battery down as much as I thought. Uh, unlike maybe mm, always on mode, which I'm still kind of, or, um, do they have a name for it? Always retina or something. It's another name. I can't remember. I think it's
0: just all, always on screen. Are you guys seeing, cause I've heard a couple people now say that they think the battery life is worse and I haven't noticed it at all. Any terms of battery life loss with the always on screen. Anybody of you, have either of you seen that?
1: Mine seems, mine seems pretty much on par with my previous phone. I'll just today as we're recording this, uh, Apple in a support document noted that the haptic keyboard may impact your battery life. I guess because it's hitting that Tapic engine just oh, all the time.
2: <laughs>
1: but uh, I don't I don't know about the always on display. Uh
2: <laughs> I call shenanigans. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh we're wait, gonna, wait, maybe yeah. uh, maybe taptic, that's it. Tapic
1: engine. Too much power. We made it too <laughs> powerful. But I, I will say I did not anticipate the the days it would take me to get used to the always on display you know my phone's been set up now for i think for three days and i feel like i'm just now kind of getting rid of sort of the panic when i look over and see my phone screen it's like oh no it didn't go to sleep it's very yeah, strange I have the
0: same thing yeah it, it's really weird looking down and seeing your phone it, it, i think the thing that gets you is that it's like because they also added your wallpaper Mm-hmm. you know so you look down and you see well wait it, 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 why is my phone on you know because we're so used to me looking at your phone being on thinking oh no i'm killing my battery what's going on and um but you know it i feel like this too shall pass you'll get used to it i yeah. i already love the status board effect of it having it up and you know seeing notifications like um, i've got a special one because i have a, a focus mode for podcasting And right now it tells me the temperature in the room and the time in Memphis, you know? So it's like, it's great. It just gives me the information I need.
1: I think it's interesting that they went the route they did where you really do see the wallpaper. Uh, You know, a lot of uh, Android phones that have always on display, it's basically black and then they light up where the time and, you know, whatever else they're showing you, the weather, that sort of thing. And, And Apple, I think, wanted to go further than that. And I do like it, and I, I pretty much have settled into it. I know some people have complained about the display being on when they're trying to go to bed. If you use a sleep focus mode, it will completely shut the screen off, and you don't have to tie that to like their bedtime reminder sleep tracking system. You can just have a focus mode for sleep that comes on at a set time, and so I was already using that, so that really hasn't been a big issue for me. Yeah, and me then. Either they they also turn the screen off if you're using carplay which is something they've done for for a long time where like there was this uh, i don't know remember when it was but at some point in the past there was a keynote slide like WWDC and it's like we have this this really new UI for driving in the car and it was a, an iphone with a <laughs> blank screen because they're talking yeah. about carplay <laughs> like it's kind of funny but also it's 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 a good thing you know the d- display should be off when it's connected to a car. It's often if it's in your pocket, if you put it face down on a table. So they're doing things to, to make it make sense where, okay, it's screen up. Someone may be looking at me, leave it on all the time. But it's definitely, it definitely takes some getting used to It it kind of always looking back at you.
2: I I think I'm kind of being silly with the battery life stuff. I don't think it actually drains it too much. I understand why folks wouldn't like it, but I think the reason I do like it is because, like David, I have focus modes, so it does feel a little status-sporty. I didn't even think of it like that, but... I I know that widgets are going to get better as the years go on. So while this is a first step, I'm still finding it pretty useful.
0: Yeah, I just want to learn to get more out of it, honestly. It's, I'm still figuring it out. You know, the, the changes to focus modes with iOS 16 plus this. As I expected, I, I like it, and I think it's cool. And I do think all of the people talking about the sky is falling over the fact that this thing is disturbing to them, I think if you just give it a few days, mm-hmm. you'll get used to it.
1: And if you want to go back, you can. There is a toggle to turn off the always-on display. I would like to see some more flexibility there. Like, would it be possible for the screen to go black except the widgets? Like, what if I don't want my wallpaper all the time, but I do want to see the other things? There's some more customization, I think, that could be done there. But, but overall, like, I, I'm just so surprised at how it changes how the iPhone feels. Because like when you touch it or you pick it up, the wallpaper kind of comes back to life, right? The color comes back in. The screen brightens a little bit. And it just makes it feel more organic in a way that I didn't really anticipate. But I think is really fun and playful. And those are words that people have used to describe the Dynamic Island but I think it goes for the lock screen too, to be honest. Yeah. I I, mean, I
0: think they're kind of, they, they work together in that regard. And, uh, while we're on the topic, how, what do you think of the dynamic Island now that you're, you're using it?
2: I love the dynamic Island. I think it is the most interesting thing. Apple has done in years and, uh, I, I haven't read a lot of uh, reviews, but I think I've, people have pointed out how like brilliant it is that they are hiding uh, the uh, previously what would be was the notch like they're turning it into a feature. And I think that this UI could become a it, it, like, I, I think it's going to inform how we use not just our phones but whatever sort of heads up display could come in the future even if even if like an apple headset never exists the dynamic island is another way that apple or ios is unique and i hope that the the way that it Oh gosh, the name is so, so silly, but I d- like dynamic is the perfect way to describe it. It's just. So lively. And uh, whenever you I didn't notice this until yesterday, but when you are like, let, let's say I pop into Overcast and uh, then I uh, swipe up to go back to the home screen, I notice that if like I I was just uh, i like my iPhone is also my most expensive fidget toy. So if I like would flip it to the side, it kind of like the page would, I don't know, kind of like go to the right and then get sucked up by the dynamic island. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. it's just <laughs> so cute. I love it.
0: Yeah. And also it's just like, it, it's a multitasking interface um, that snuck in at the same time. I mean, I am a big fan of timers. Like, you know, we talked about time tracking earlier, setting timers for me is a great way to kind of keep me on track and, um, putting it with the always on display up in the dynamic Island with the timer, it's actually really nice. And it makes the phone way more useful to me when I'm not using it as a phone. So, uh, I feel like this is really nice. And and just as to the name, I guess, every time it comes up, it's like everybody's just having a lot of fun, making fun of the name, but whatever. I mean, it's this feature. Well, I'm going to continue to call it dynamic Island because that's what they call it, but it's just a really great feature. And I got I thinking like, this is something I'm going to get so used to that at some point, they're going to figure out how to put the, the camera under the screen. And I'm going to miss this. You know, is this something that's just going to pop out of nowhere once they get a screen that doesn't need a notch? I don't know, but I am like 100% in.
2: I think the term island is going to become just part of how we describe certain parts of software in the future, or at least I hope. Uh, It could be another touch bar or, um, you know, RIP 3D touch. Oh, I loved it. But the, (laughs) you know, like right now, I'm just playing with the island, poking it, and just having that feedback. Yeah, now I'm like, okay, yeah, this is definitely what kills my battery. But it's I, I can see Android take uh, I don't I think it's fine when Android takes iOS features, iOS feature iOS steal stuff yeah. from Android all the time. But just another interesting way we're able to see information in an unobtrusive way and able to control what information we see at every, any given time really excites me.
0: It's like pull to refresh. You use it once, you're like, okay, yes, this is the way it should absolutely. be. Absolutely, right. Mm-hmm. And now uh, you're going to see this everywhere on other platforms. And I, I and speaking of other platforms, I want to see this on the iPad. You know, I maybe it'll have to be the next version of the hardware. I mean, there's a rumored announcement next month, but uh, I'd love to see what they could do with this idea on an iPad.
2: Really, really. well. Hey, listen, if haptics or ever came to the iPad, I think I would just sprint back to iPad OS because boy oh i i love hap- i mean we haven't even talked about that but the haptic keyboard even on my on the beta was fabulous so yeah i i mean <laughs> I I think Stephen knows I get a little bit slap happy when it comes to possible um, virtual displays. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It seems like this is something that we're going to get used to really quickly. And we're just apples really kind of pushing the haptics on us. And I'm so, so, so excited. I have no interesting words to describe it other than excitement.
0: And just for people who are listening, and are not aware with the new version of iOS 16, you can turn on a switch that gives you a haptic feedback when you tap on the keyboard, you know, and this is something that has been on Android for a while, but it hasn't been on the iPhone. And like you, I turned it on in beta and never turned it off. I, I love it. I like the feeling of tapping on the keyboard and getting a physical, like tactile response. My only question is why this isn't on by default. Maybe it's the battery thing that we just got word of.
2: Possibly. (laughs) I I would recommend
0: if you haven't tried it. I'd recommend it. Now I forget how I did it. Now is it under keyboards or it's under settings somewhere? If somebody's listening, where do they go? Yeah,
1: maybe sound and haptics. But it's uh, it is interesting. I mean, and Alex, I think you're right. Like I could see a world in which we do have this theoretical Apple AR, VR, whatever. Like maybe this island is sort of the home base for that, right? And it's kind of contains all of your things and they come and go as they're needed. It really is interesting. It would be a shame if all this work went into it and it didn't show up somewhere else. You know, the iPad never had a notch because it has bezels still thick enough, which you need on Mm -hmm. the iPad, right? Because you got your thumb has to go somewhere to to hide that stuff, right? So they never need to contend with the notch. But I could see something like this coming to the iPad. Maybe it's not even, you know, in the center. Maybe it's up in, in, a, in a corner somewhere. I, I don't know. But I, I I do think that there's a lot of work that went into this, and it does make me wonder about what the future of it is. And surely it's not just something that we're going to have for a few years until they can get rid of the cutout completely and they go to an all-display phone like this feels like they're building towards something bigger than just oh we wanted to change the notch and so we we added some software around it to to make it fancy
0: what about on the mac we do have a notch on the mac could you see something like this being on a future version of mac os
1: yeah that i have a little bit more trouble kind of understanding what it would be what it would be adding because you have the dock and we have the menu bar already so I don't know what that would bring to the Mac experience that isn't viable in another way, but who knows?
2: I mean, with Notification Center, it it and on Mac OS, I think they're still just trying to figure all all of that out. And uh, I'm still using uh very Macy Mac apps for my notifications and stuff, and I rarely open uh control center. Is that that is what it's called, right? My gosh. You you can tell that I have not done consulting in a couple <laughs> months because I'm like, what are the, what should I call these things? But I I don't know the as the Mac gets more iOS and iPad OS features, it also makes me uh, hopeful for maybe more physical controls on the Mac. I mean, they tried with the touch bar, mm-hmm. but I, I, this could be another thing that I. imagining, but I have the... Uh, triple t- the inaccessibility features on uh, the iPhone. You know, you've got uh, you can either do the double tap or triple t- tap to run a shortcut. And I have that to just pull up a, a draft so I can just quickly take a note. And it feels more responsive on uh, the iPhone 14 Pro. That could be wishful thinking, but I'm going to choose to believe that they made the motor better or that I dropped my previous phone too many times and having one that's fresh is just making it work more who's to say
0: this episode of the mac power users is brought to you by zocdoc go to zocdoc.com slash mpu and find the right doctor right now with zocdoc you can sign up for free zocdoc makes it easy to find quality doctors in your network and in your neighborhood plus with real verified patient reviews you can find the right doctor for you ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. You can find every specialist under the sun with ZocDoc, whether you're trying to straighten those teeth, fix an achy back, or get that mole checked out, or anything else. ZocDoc has you covered. The mobile app is as easy as ordering a ride to a restaurant or getting delivery to your house. Search, find, and book doctors with just a few taps. With ZocDoc, you can find and review local doctors, read verified patient reviews from real people who made real appointments. Now, when you walk into that doctor's office, you're all set to see someone from in your network who gets you. So find the doctor that's right for you and book an appointment in person or remotely, and that works on your schedule. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc. It's their go-to whenever they need to find and book a quality doctor. I have dealt with that problem where the insurance company gives you a book full of people that are supposed to be in the plan, and then you call and they're not in the plan, and you spend hours trying to find a doctor. I threw that book in the trash because ZocDoc is now the way I handle this. Using ZocDoc, we were able to find doctors that were not only in our plan, but right for us. We're very happy with it. You should definitely check it out. So Go to Zocdoc. Dot com slash MPU and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash MPU. That URL one more time, ZocDoc.com slash MPU. And our thanks to ZocDoc for their support of the Mac Power Users and all of FM.
1: Alex, we like to close these interview shows out with some favorites, some apps and services that you're using that maybe we haven't gotten to in the show so far. So what you got?
2: My current obsession is a a blogging platform slash engine. I don't even really know what you would call it. Um, But it is a blot.im. It is a way to publish your blog via either Dropbox, which is what I use, GitHub or Google Drive. And the way that you push out a post is literally you can I i literally will drop a Markdown file into a folder and bam, there is a blog post and you can do a lot of fancy things with If you want to, you know, use any sort of... Uh, like basically it works with anything. Uh, I know a lot of people use VS code. I've been, uh, a- after I just figured out the, Oh, well, you can just drag and drop. I did. I have switched to Ulysses, Um, but it also, you can push like everything you want to publish into a draft mode that looks exactly the same. So all of the metadata is already there. You don't like the, the CMS is Dropbox, which, I mean, I'm still I'm still using Dropbox despite all of the weirdness uh, over the years, um, and it also. Because it just uses the file system, it works great with shortcuts. So my friend uh, Jeff Perry built me a shortcut to put in images because that was kind of just tripping me up in ter- because Ulysses doesn't really handle Im- images. Uh, and I- I'm just playing with it more and more. And like, uh, you can also get a bunch of YAML files in there, which I don't fully yet understand, but but love it is just such a simple way to get stuff up on the internet. It is five bucks a month and like 20 bucks a year, which is fantastic. And I have, I I, I don't know, I'm falling in love with blogging again, just in general, as, you know, more and more of my favorite publishing platforms end up being controlled by algorithms. I just keep sliding back into getting things via RSS um, because it's, you know, it's just, uh, I, I have the same file of uh, my, the XML file, I think from Google reader from years and years and years ago. <laughs> and I just end up bringing that into various RSS uh, readers and a bl- blot it works uh, so well with RSS too, and you can choose to do like the old school thing where you only show part of the blog, or you can do the whole uh, part of the post, or you can do the whole thing. It's fantastic. I'm um, also using an, a Safari extension called Tabitha, which is a way to get the get all of your tabs. Uh, via Markdown links, and th- the reason that Tabitha is different, though, is it. Literally, you can literally do all of your tabs. So when I am doing a podcast, I typically am, you know, opening up a bunch of uh, tabs for show notes, and but instead of getting each individual, you know, I, I do have a shortcut to just get the. Um, markdown link but you can just choose to get all of the tabs in via markdown and it makes a pretty list and it has saved me a bunch of time a bunch of t- t- i've i've noticed that my time tracking for making show notes has gone down since i started using tabitha
0: yeah so let me just say i had never heard of this and, and we saw it before we started recording and i have already installed it i am sold what a great idea yeah. So if you if you work on the internet and you need to get a list of of um web pages, you need to try this. It's 3 bucks.
2: Yeah, it's one of those things that has already paid for uh, it's already like you know, my time is my most precious resource. This is not a new thought for your listeners, but I think it's already paid for itself. And the last Product is not a, I would say it's a service. Uh, maybe not an app, but it is the MagSafe pop socket adapter, and I guess I'll talk about that more in more power users when uh, we discuss iPhone cases. But if you are living the MagSafe li- lifestyle like I do, but you also have a weird handshape that makes using a phone difficult, unless you have a pop socket, it is uh, the way to go because. It's very easy to pull it off, but it also, um, it, it did, like, I have not had any issues with this pop socket falling off. And I used to sort of like uh, roll my own pop socket and just get a, like, put a pop socket on a round magnet, which was not a good idea. A couple screens got shattered in the process, but MagSafe, the official MagSafe pop socket is awesome.
0: Well those are good picks and man uh, Tabitha is great. Uh what, where are you blogging? I didn't know you were blogging again. Where where should people go to read what you're doing with blood?
2: Mm, people should go to patreoncom alexcox.
0: Okay, that's where it is. Okay. <laughs> I will
2: send you where uh, for for I'll, I'll send you guys where where I am uh blogging, but uh listen to by Friday and my Anxieties around blogging, but I love it, and I'm getting back into writing. Oh, Grammarly! Uh, uh, that's what uh, that is. My real third software pick, Grammarly, has been a lot of fun to use lately.
0: Yeah, I'm a fan too. It's even you use Grammarly as well, right?
1: I do. So I have it in Safari as an extension. Have it in Chrome as well. Kind of bounce between the two browsers right now. Uh, I don't have the native Mac app enabled, where it's like shows up in every text field on macOS. But anytime I write an article, I'll paste it into Grammarly and do a a pass and make sure that that everything's good. I don't always do what it suggests. Like there's a – Grammarly kind of has a point of view sometimes I don't like.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) It
1: loves
0: commas. It loves commas. It
1: does. Mm -hmm. But it's amazing for capturing errors in – especially like in syntax. Like if you have a complex sentence and you've accidentally (laughs) – you know, misplace something, it'll be like, Hey, what about this or that? So it's, it is an awesome tool for anyone who writes on the web.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I don't use the app either. I find the app is slow too. It's yeah. much faster just to use it in a browser. But uh, yeah, it's a good one. Well, Alex, I'm so glad that you were able to come back and, and share with us today and all the cool stuff you're up to. And uh, I feel like you're going to have great success with your new indie life as you start to sort things out um you always make me laugh alex because you you're like well i'm not figuring things out but then you proceed to explain how you've written shortcuts to solve the tiniest of problems and you're tracking time and like i, I i'm on to you alex cox i'm <laughs> on to you um, so gang if you want to go uh see more of the stuff alex is doing uh we're going to put all the stuff in the show notes but Dubai Friday with Merlin Mann, one of my favorite people on the internet, and uh, just a great podcast. Um, Roboism on Relay FM, Two Headed Girl at Transistor.fm, and the Patreon, which we were just talking about. You can go check that out too. Anywhere else people should go, Alex?
2: Uh, stjude.com slash relay, I believe is oh, yeah, the, you're the that best. you are, oh, yeah. you're the best. uh, thing, th- no, you, you both are the best and have been a huge inspiration for me as I, you know, spent s- slowly going indie and, uh, I have had such amazing role models in the two of you. And thank you so much again for having me on.
0: I remember you and I sitting together. I think it was like the the podcast conference in Seattle. We were somewhere together, and you started talking about going on your own, and I could see it in your eye. It was just a question of time. Y- so, yep, uh, yep. <laughs> you were uh, You were there. All right. Thanks again to our sponsors, 1Password, TextExpander, Indeed, and ZocDoc. We'll see you next time.